Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Welcome back to another edition of Mile High Report Radio Podcast. Ian St. Clair, Adam Alnati, um, getting ready to play the San Francisco 49ers this week. And it's it's time to do a little preview. Things are things have picked up, and I don't know if you've noticed, Ian, but um, throughout the national media, the Broncos are starting to become. I don't want to call them media darlings, but we talked about this a little bit at the end of the uh, the post game show, and about how you know the Broncos have been sort of pushed aside. They're getting some play this week with the NFL Network and ESPN and things like that, which. I don't know how I feel about that. And it's due in large part to the undrafted, homegrown Denver Pitbull, Philip Lindsay. And there's a reason I said Denver Pitbull, and that's because there's a new breaking t shirt that all Philip Lindsay and Denver Broncos fans should get. But also, the best pass rushing duo in the NFL, along with Shelby Harris that we talked about on the post-game recap podcast, is becoming a game wrecker from the interior. The Orange Rush, for all of those who loved the popular t-shirt 
is now a hoodie and the hoodie is just as badass as the t-shirt yes it is and if you want and if you want both of them i wrote a story about it it's on mile high report it's get a good deal on christmas swag is the headline and then the tweet is at the top of my twitter feed so click on it get the link and the good thing about breaking tea is since they've released both of them they have a deal where if you buy the hoodie you then 50% off either the Denver Pitbull shirt or one of the other shirts they have in the Denver collection. If you use the promo code hoodie half at checkout. So you could get the orange rush shirt and the Denver Pitbull shirt for right around 60 bucks and get free shipping on top of it. Boom. Just by using the promo code hoodie half. Hoodie half, there it is, and so, it's it's hoodie season, right? We are here. We are in the winter, uh, you know, late fall, early winter months. Um, get yourself a hoodie because it's cold outside, and so if it's going to be cold outside, you yes. want to wear a hoodie. That's that's the idea. So excellent. That's and you want to and, and you want to rock the new Broncos swag with an orange rush sweatshirt. Never has it been more prominent than it is right now with the best pass rushing duo in the NFL. Absolutely. So get on that. Get on get on that, Broncos country. Get out there and get your swag. Go buy your shirts. Make sure you're representing for your team. That's the that's the way to do it. Um It's time to it's time to move on, right? We're on to San Francisco, as it were. We didn't uh we didn't disclose that at the end of the last podcast, but just to kind of uh reiterate, we are on to San Francisco. We're on to uh a matchup with Kyle Shanahan, which uh I think some people in Broncos country thought that at this point in the season, just a few weeks ago, we were thinking, well, we would be looking across longingly uh, at, at Kyle Shanahan sort of like across the field going, oh, what could have been if only we had hired him instead of Vance Joseph. Uh, I don't think we're going to get a lot of that moving forward. I think I think fans are, I'm not going to say they're happy and I'm not going to say they're content, but I, I think that they are willing to continue to just keep going down this path. So it'll be nice to to face off against an old, you know, an old assistant coach, right? I mean, I don't know that Kyle Shanahan was ever an official assistant coach in Denver, but he carried a lot of people's headsets and cables and things like that. I remember seeing him on the sidelines as a kid. And I think he's still the coach that fans want. I think there are still a few in Broncos country who would still like to see what a Kyle Shanahan coached uh, uh, Broncos team would look like, namely in offense, because I think they are under the impression that Wade Phillips would still be around, but that's neither here nor there because as we've mentioned, Vance Joseph seems to have turned a corner as a head coach and this team has done so. It's a confident bunch. It's playing complimentary football. It continues to get better and better it's not allowing its success to get to it but it's also not allowing the negative things that happen on the field get to it so yeah i hear you i mean it's one of those things where um 
you know, I I wrote about it after the last game, and, and I think it, it really holds true. The Broncos are finding ways to win games that they weren't finding ways to win before. And that's that, I think, is, is the biggest point. And the teams that they beat, I mean, two of the three teams that they beat, the Chargers and the Steelers, were were huge, you know, hu- you know, big time teams that were heading to the playoffs, right? So they got you got teams heading to the playoffs that the Broncos, who were not heading to the playoffs at the time, were able to beat, and then the, uh, you know, and, and then they beat up on the the Bengals. I think you're right. I think this sort of turning of the corner is a is a, it's a nice thing to see from from the Broncos and from the head coach, right? Vance Joseph is certainly um, he's he's turned a corner as a head coach. I'd like to continue to see that growth. I think this is a week where um, we can look for that. This is a week where you can kind of see if Vance Joseph really is getting better, or if it's if if the last three weeks have been more of a just kind of a fluky three weeks. I think this is you know these are the kinds of games the the Bengals game where. That was the kind of game where it looked like they could roll over and die at the beginning and they ended up getting the win. This is the kind of game where you know they should they should have no problems with San Francisco, but they might. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know that fear still sort of creeps in. Uh, just like the old man said, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Well, we're we're in the water, right? We got our we're we're walking around in it right now. You know, are we gonna get bit? That's the that's the big fear. And nobody wants to get bit by a 49er. Oh, definitely not. But I think what will give us a good indication on whether or not Vance Joseph and the Broncos can continue this three-game trend is how they deal with the adversity of losing Chris Harris Jr. Because that's going to be a big test. And they did sign some depth by bringing in former Cardinals cornerback Jamar Taylor on Tuesday. I don't know how much of an impact he'll play at this point. Probably not. It's probably just there as a a security blanket in case someone else gets hurt. I think he'll be active, and he'll probably be dressed on Sunday. But I wouldn't expect him to play. So this is going to fall on Bradley Roby, Isaac Yottam, Brendan Langley, Tremaine Brock, those guys are going to have to step up because their leader, the guy who has been one of the best cornerbacks in all of the national football league for the last seven or eight years is not going to be there now. And it's going to be a big test for this defense. Yeah. And I think the guy that has to step up is Bradley Roby. He is the one that, um, that is going to fill the, you know, Broncos country wasn't necessarily excited about him filling the Aqib Talib role, and now he's got to step in and fill in for Chris Harris Jr., which uh, is is let, let's face it, that's a little scary because he is um, he has his he has his highs and his lows. Uh, you know, I don't want to take away from the things that he does that are good on the field, but man, when he when he does something bad, he does it really bad, and that sort of takes me into the players to watch. And I guess I'll just jump into it. Bradley Roby is my player to watch. You know, is he going to be able to step into that Chris Harris Jr. role and be the number one corner and be the guy that can shut down half the field? And that's really one of the things that you get with Chris Harris Jr. He shuts down an entire element of the opposing team's offense by taking away their number one target. 
or by limiting what that that number one target can do. And if if Bradley Roby can't step into that role and be successful in that, you know, you might see you might see the failure on defense uh, become something that causes this team to lose a game that they really should win. I don't think anybody's going into the San Francisco game thinking the Broncos are going to lose, but with Chris Harris Jr. out for the foreseeable future, right? Nobody really knows how long he's going to be out for. Bradley Roby's got to step into that role. And I have two defensive players to watch, and they are both also in the secondary. Justin Simmons and Sua Cravens. Because I think Sua Cravens is going to take over a more of a coverage role, and Sua Cravens is going to play more of like that linebacker role. And Justin Simmons did a very, very good job in that coverage role on Sunday against the Bengals after Chris Harris Jr. went down. And I'll toot my own horn a little bit here, but Justin Simmons was my player to watch against the Cincinnati Bengals. And he stepped up. He he did what that secondary and that defense needed him. Now let's see if he can do it again on Sunday. And Sue Cravens. They need both of those safeties to be sharp and on top of their game because the San Francisco 49ers don't have much on offense, but what they do have is a tight end who can wreck games. And that tight end is, of course, George Kettle. They need to be able to limit what he can do the yardage that he can get with that young quarterback. Because if if Sua Cravens and Justin Simmons do their jobs, that will allow the Orange Rush to do its job. And Shelby Harris, that's the way the defense can complement each other and play off of one another. So limit George Kettle. And that's basically the main task for Justin Simmons and Sua Cravens on Sunday. Yeah, and actually I want to add one more defensive player because I just want to add him in. Shelby Harris is one of those players to watch this week. Uh, He's been on a tear, right? And he has made that orange rush, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, he has made it even more fierce, more scary for the other. More scary? Yeah, I'm going with that. Scarier is fine. He's made it scarier for the opposing quarterbacks because now not only do you have to worry about what's coming on on the edge, you've got to worry about what's coming up the middle. And when you've got, you know, Miller on one side, Chubb on the other, and then Harris busting through the middle, where do you go when you're a quarterback? Other than you just got to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible. And like you said, that's where it comes in. That's where, uh, you know, as a former George Kill owner in fantasy football, and what I mean by former is I drafted him. And then because he had the shoulder injury, I dropped him and went and picked somebody else up. And then miraculously, his shoulder was fine, and I never was able to get him back, which has been the bane of my existence in fantasy football. Um, but if you can get to the quarterback, it doesn't matter what you have going on, in the you know whether it's a tight end or a wide receiver or running back out of the backfield. If you're getting to the quarterback and you're rattling him, that's how you win games. And, and the Broncos are certainly um, – they're certainly doing that, especially over the last three weeks. So add Shelby Harris in on that uh, players to watch list as well. Offensively, what do you got for me offensively? I want you to go first. I'm going to cheat. Mm-hmm. Philip Lindsay. Cheater. 
That's cheating. I mean, he's always the player to watch. But you know what? I'll allow it. You go ahead. You tell us why it's Philip Lindsay. Because I want to see what else he does. I want to see what he does next. What's the next trick that he pulls out? Yeah. What's, What's the next, the next thing he does? Yeah. What he has? He obviously has a rep. A, 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 I can't say the word. You you still didn't say it. Did you say it? No, I didn't. The reputation, repertoire. No, that, there it is. Rep. He has a. He does have a repertoire. That's a French word. Makes it hard to say because it's it's French. And I'm Irish, so I can't really speak French. <laughs> he definitely has a repertoire, and I I really am excited to see what he can do next because what he's doing. I saw a stat where at this point there have been two players in NFL history to average more yards per carry than Philip Lindsay. One of them's a hall of famer. The other one is a, I'm pretty sure could be a hall of famer. I'm not sure if he will be or not, but Barry Sanders and Jamal Charles. When you're on the same list as Barry Sanders. Yeah. I mean, they think you're done at that point, right? You don't really have to do anything else. Cause you're on the same list is Barry Sanders mission accomplished the one thing that I would like to see in that repertoire is more receptions yes use Philip Lindsay as a receiver add to what the offense can do as we said he's the playmaker on your offense so don't limit his touches increase the touches and then you can do that by involving him in the passing game because if you get him going in the passing game too defenses aren't going to know what to do they can't stop him in the running game you're just going to make it even more difficult to stop this offense if you involve philip Lindsay in the passing game yeah i i can't agree with that any that more i mean he is he is the weapon use him as much as you can and actually my player to watch sort of plays off of that and my player to watch is going to be royce freeman this week and uh, partly because he put the ball on the ground uh, against the Bengals, and and we talked about that. It didn't it didn't hurt the team, but it certainly wasn't a good look for him. And I felt like he bounced back in that game. I'd like to see um, the what kind of contribution he can make. And I I think the real reason I want to watch Royce Freeman is because I'd like to see a little more complimentary football in the run game. Uh, I'm not saying we take the football out of Philip Lindsay's hands. I I don't think the coaches should do that, but I think that when you are using Philip Lindsay exclusively, you're maybe uh, I I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. I, I don't want to talk talk about durability because I don't think he has a durability issue. But I do feel like Royce Freeman can be that guy that sort of gives him the breather, that gives him the opportunity to to come off the field, or even gives him the opportunity to to line up as a as a wide receiver with Royce Freeman in the backfield. I think those are some things that are being missed. And I know that um, it looks like they like to use Devontae Booker in passing situations because he's a little bit more um, – he, he's the veteran on the field and he's he's maybe better at, at blocking. But I really don't think that that's the case. I think Royce Freeman is just as good at blocking as, as Devontae Booker is. And I think he can be effective in the pass game. And you can have those two weapons on the field at the same time. I, I'm not sure that they'll do that. I don't know if that's really in in Bill Musgrave's 
repertoire, if you will. But um, I do think that could be something that could that could create some success for both of those running backs. I think it could make things better for Philip Lindsay just as much as it could make things better for Royce Freeman. I, I do think that's something that they haven't done as well as I would have liked them to have done for the entire season is using those two guys to play off of each other instead of using one guy and you know maybe use the other guy and then use the one guy and then you know obviously Philip Lindsay's your number 1 but how can you use Royce Freeman in this you know in this scheme effectively and make it so that it makes Philip Lindsay even better and I, I think that they could try and do some things against San Francisco with that the best way to see how to do it is just put on a Saints tape yes thank see you see how they use Ingram and Kamora just I, I mean that that's your foundation that's how you can build off of it and that will be another indication to see whether or not Vance Joseph and Bill Musgrave have taken that next step. Because this is, as you said, this is the game and this is the team to do it against. Because you're not going to be going against strong teams up until the Los Angeles Chargers in week 17. So test it, build on it, do things you don't customarily do so that you can give more things for opponents to watch and prepare for if you do make it to the playoffs. And I get it that Vance Joseph and the team don't want to talk about it yet, but we can. And that's what's making this last three weeks exciting. And it's what makes this game against the San Francisco 49ers exciting, even though the 49ers are competing with the Raiders for the number one pick in the draft. Do things you're not accustomed to doing. So put Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay in the backfield at the exact same time. Try to mimic what Sean Payton and Drew Brees do with their offense because both of those guys are similar players to what the Saints have. Yeah, I mean, I think size-wise, Philip Lindsay is clearly smaller than every single guy we've mentioned here, but uh, you have the same sort of dynamic running back in Philip Lindsay that you have in Alvin Kamara athletic wise uh, and the same sort of bruising uh, you know big running back that you know Ingram and and, and Freeman are and I, I think you're absolutely right and if you're gonna mimic an offense that's probably the best offense to mimic I'm just saying that would be the one I would you know it's either that one or the Chiefs offense but I don't really like the Chiefs and so it's the Saints offense that's the one I'm gonna mimic <laughs> so you know that but but even the Chiefs kind of have that, or they had that until they, you know, had to had to part ways with one of their star running backs. Um, but they had that sort of same dynamic. That's an interesting point. We Did didn't I, talk about that after the game on Sunday. Well, we didn't really get a chance to. I think that you know, with the post game recap, we don't. You know, it's, we're talking about the Broncos mostly. But yeah, I think there's a. I think there's a conversation to be had there, and we we could jump. You want to jump into that? That's that's called not a smooth transition, but I don't care about that. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. We plopped it out there and expected it to perform, and I think that it will. I think that it, I think it absolutely will. I, I'm going to get one of those one of these days. It's it's coming. I'm gonna I'm gonna be plopping it out there eventually. I keep it's going to roll off the tongue, but um, well, you I don't know, know about that. Yeah, that's a, maybe shouldn't. Yeah, hope pause for a moment and maybe we'll just move on 
So Kareem Hunt. That's a Dan Fouts. <laughs> it was a Dan Fouts. It was a Chubb in I, Rivers' face. Yeah, I just had a Dan Fouts moment. Yeah, it, uh, it happens every now and then, I suppose. Um, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about what happened with the Chiefs and Kareem Hunt and, and what's going on with that. Just just briefly, I think. I don't know that we need to overcover it, but uh, I thought Sad did an interesting job. Uh, you know, Saturday did a good job of writing an article about um, what the Chiefs did with Kareem Hunt, but I, I did have one slight problem, and I, you know, I sort of voiced it on on Twitter, and that was, you know, if you're going to cut Kareem Hunt for what he did, why do you still have Tyreek Hill on your roster? And I, I think that's something that the entire NFL needs to get that figured out. But as far as what's going to happen with the Chiefs, do you think their offense misses a beat losing Kareem Hunt? I don't think so. Because they just brought in a guy in Charkandrick West who has been in the offense, and when he was there before Kareem Hunt, was just as effective as Kareem Hunt. So I, I don't think so. And, and I totally agree with you about the Tyreek Hill situation. I get that we're going to give second chances to people. I, I totally understand that. But if you're going to get on the, on the Washington Redskins for signing Reuben Foster, or you're going to get on the Chiefs for not knowing what was going on with Kareem Hunt. If you have a guy who has also done something similar to Kareem Hunt, isn't that a culture that you have created in your organization that you've basically said it's okay to do this? Yeah, I mean, I think you I think the the thing that gets me is if you look at around the league, for example, you know, you've got Joe Mixon in Cincinnati with the Bengals, who came into the NFL um, with that sort of hanging over him, you know, a, a domestic violence issue. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill comes into the NFL with a domestic violence issue hanging over him. You've got players like, um, you know, Kareem Hunt, who, oh, we discovered this happened. Uh, it happened several months ago, but he lied to us about it. We're going to cut him, but we're going to keep Tyreek Hill, even though we know what he did. We're going to. Um, you know, we're going to blackball guys like uh, uh, Justin Forsett, for example, because of what we saw on video. I, th- I think what the NFL has right now is a video problem. Because when you see the video of somebody committing a crime like that, it's appalling. It can't happen. We're, we're disgusted by it. We need to, this guy has to go away forever. But if you don't have video, and I think that's the Reuben Foster of it all. Do we have any video of Reuben Foster doing anything wrong? No. There's no visual. It's just somebody said this happened. So without the visual, you can just send the guy away. And it's the it's the perfect example of out of sight, out of mind. And that's what teams do. They took Kareem Hunt and they said, you're gone. Out of sight, out of mind. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Justin Forsett, you're out of the league. Out of sight, out of mind. We don't have to worry about it anymore. I think you mean Ray Rice. Ray Rice, thank you, Justin Forsett. Oh. Thank you for for correcting me, but you know what? We're going to keep it in there because you get to know the mistakes that I make when I'm recording late at night. So, you know, Ray, Ray Justin Force said, I apologize. You didn't do anything wrong that we know of. Probably not. I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. Ray Rice is who I was thinking of. You have a video issue. You have a problem when you have it on video. But if you don't have it on video, it's just a thing, right? It's just something that happened. Um who was the ca- the guy the Cowboys picked up a few years back? Was it Greg Hardy? Is that who I'm thinking of? Greg Hardy. There's another one. There's no video. So he ends up coming back into the league. And sure, people grumble. 
oh, you know, he did this, he did that. We shouldn't be, you know. That's it. That's all it is. It's just grumbling. You're you're ne- you're never going to see anything change until you get a change, not just within teams, but within the NFL. And I know that there are far more players out there that do good things, that are, are good citizens, that have positive impact on the communities that they're in. But you still have this issue, this perception, this this persona that's out there of these uh, players who are entitled, and then they they do things like this and they get away with it. Unless we see it, if we see it, then it's not okay. There's a connection to all of this with the Broncos because they have a guy who had this over his head as well, now back on their practice squad and AJ Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but practice squad, that's again, that's another out of sight, out of mind. He's on the practice squad. What do we care about a guy on a practice squad? He's not. But he was on the active roster before Shaquille Barrett got hurt and they called up Jeff Holland. Yeah. But you get what I'm saying, right? He's not. He's not a star player, not a starter. He's not important. If let me ask you this: If Kareem Hunt had been the third string running back on a a middle of the road offense that had on a team that wasn't doing anything, what would be the the response to Kareem Hunt right now? They would have had the video in February. Exactly, and I think that's the point. They would have had the video in February, and he would have been gone. But nobody... To me, the biggest issue with all of this is the fact that there's a domestic violence problem in the National Football League. And the fact that the it's a good old boys club where they don't want to deal with it. They, they, they put on a good PR front sometimes. But everything that they did and said they were going to do after the Ray Rice video just got flushed down the toilet with this Kareem Hunt video. No one should believe anything the National Football League says ever again about domestic violence. Put up or shut up. I don't want to hear any more PR BS about what you're going to do and you're going to bring in women and you're going to do this and that. Prove it. Actions speak louder than words, especially after this. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. The National Football League has to be better. It has to be better. Because, to be to be honest with you, it pisses me off. As a football fan who was brought into football by my mom, This shows me what the National Football League and these 32 teams think of my mom. Or your they sister. don't respect women. They don't respect women. They can do all this breast cancer awareness. Let's wear pink. That's just another. It's just a political it's PR. It's a PR, it's a PR stunt. Move. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of that is from the money that they're getting from the G, the the the. the the uh, Coleman Foundation. Yeah. Well, because if you remember, they do these military things because of all the money the military gives to the National Football League. So that's a PR stunt too. Oh yeah, th- th- this really does piss me off because it sh- it shows me what the National Football League thinks about my mom. 
and what it's the, and what it thinks about women that they don't matter. Yeah, I agree. You know, the other thing that I don't understand from that video, and I, I watched the video, and then you see some of the other videos. The police decided not to press charges. They didn't arrest him. There was no, there were no arrests made. There were no charges pressed. And this is after the, you know, if you look at, there's a video out of the girl saying that she wants to press charges, and they're not going to press charges. It's to me, I don't understand. There was a, there was a failure there that night, at a, at a level that, I, I cannot imagine being in that situation as a police officer and not if if nothing else maybe you don't issue an arrest you can still press charges you can still have you know there's there are still things you can do there to um mitigate this within the confines of the law and none of those things were done and i don't understand why the police chose not to press charges and i I guess i should probably look into that a little further if i really want to talk about it or if I want to, you know, if I want to speak intelligently to it, so I, so I'm not going to say that. Well, they should have pressed charges, and they did this, they did that. But it felt like they should have pressed charges. There should have been charges pressed against him. They had the video. So if they had the video, if there was video there of what happened, and she wanted to press charges, why weren't charges pressed? It's it's to me, it's very confusing. The whole situation is confusing. And, and your point about um, the NFL doing this as a PR stunt, right? Everything that they do is a PR stunt. I think that that is the truth about the NFL, period. The the National Football League is a multi-billion dollar corporation. And the owners of the 32 football teams are billionaires who are out to protect their billions of dollars. And when something like this happens, this hurts their pocketbooks. So everything that they do is about trying to prevent as much money as possible from coming out of their pocketbooks. And and I think that your point about the, you know, the 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 Komen Foundation and the military giving money to the NFL to promote them and then the NFL being able to especially with the military turn that around and say look how patriotic we are. There's nothing patriotic about accepting large amounts of money from the military and then doing a big commercial for them at the beginning of every game. If you really want to be patriotic, say no thank you to the money and then go ahead and have the same, you know, fall to rot at the beginning of a game. If you really want to say that you are supportive of breast cancer, and we should probably check on this before we make the statement, but if they're accepting any money from any foundation that is, uh, you know, out there to, pre- you know, prevent breast cancer or anything like that, they're doing it wrong. I don't care how much money you're generating, how much publicity you're doing uh, or, or generating for those foundations and for the military. You're doing it wrong if you're taking money from them. And that, that would really bother me. And, and you're right. It does tell you how much they actually value women. Women are not their customers. We have some women who listen to our podcast. There are women out there that are fans of the NFL. But I would guess that the majority of the people that read our, read our blog, listen to our podcast, watch the games on Sunday – are men. That would be my, I, I would feel safe making a bet on that. And so they don't care. In, in terms of why the Cleveland Police Department didn't file charges, I saw a tweet from Benjamin Albright where he said that it was because the police department said that they wouldn't have been able to charge a felony. But the only way you would have known that is if you investigated it. And they refuse to even investigate it. So I, I think it comes down to 
it's Kareem Hunt. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think that's where we are. I think I think that's there's no other way to say it, but hey, it was Kareem Hunt. And now it's Kareem Hunt unemployed. And I wonder how long he will be employed, because unlike Ray Rice, Kareem Hunt doesn't have fourteen hundred carries and isn't getting to that scary running back age of thirty. That's true. Or Justin Forsett, for that matter. Although Justin Forsett didn't do anything wrong. I just want to reiterate, that guy's fine. It's, it's Ray Rice who's the problem. <laughs> uh, sometimes we miss. It happens, you know. I I appreciated you letting me go as long as you did before you corrected me. I thought that was that was uh, helpful. It was good stuff. Well, to quote Animal House, you were on a roll. <laughs> Oh, was it over when the Nazis bombed Pearl Harbor? No, no, it was not. All right, um, it was not. Do you have a, a key to the game? I already touched on it. Feed the pit bull. Yeah, and I if, and and that serves as a as a reminder to to get the Denver pit bull shirt. But yeah, I mean, he had a career day against the Bengals. Nineteen carries, one hundred and fifty-seven yards, two touchdowns two epic touchdowns that show his versatility and ability and vision, especially that six yarder, as you said on the post game recap. Oh yeah. Loved it. I loved that one. So get him more touches, get him involved in the passing game. He only had one catch against the 49ers. I'd like to see that up to at least around five. I don't want to go crazy. No, I mean, I I think five, five receptions, is would be enough to where you're going to get the defense back on the fields. And then if you can get Royce Freeman onto the field at the same time, you're going to throw that 49ers defense for a loop. I agree. I think that would be a great way to do things. And then I, I think the key, the key to the game for me uh, is, and I'll just go back to Bradley Roby here and I'll be quick with it. Can he fill the, can he fill the shoes that have been left behind by Chris Harris jr. And his broken leg. And if he can, no problems, no worries. And if he can't, I'm going to be a little bit nervous. Um, do you have a score? Prediction? Can I just say that if Chris Harris, if Chris Harris Jr. comes back for that San Diego or for the Los Angeles Chargers game, I think everyone is going to do that for as long as the Chargers are in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, they will say San Diego at some point. Sure, it's a but it's, I, it slips. If if he can come back for that Week 17 game. That that's epic. Just put him in the ring of fame. That game, yeah, to come back in three weeks from a broken leg. Well, and if he comes back and it's a game that the Broncos need to win to make it to the playoffs, and then he, you know, has an impact on the game, and they win, they win and get into the playoffs. I mean, could you imagine? That would be an, an incredible way to do things. Um, you have a, do you have a score prediction? I have a score prediction. I'm gonna go 27-10 Broncos. Oh, we we have very similar scores. Um, in that I think that the 49ers score 10. But can you guess how many points I'm gonna predict that the Broncos score in this game? Just out of curiosity. 13. No, it's much higher than that. Oh, much higher. 34. 55. 
I see what you did there. You see what I did there. I'm going 55 to 10, Denver. I, why not? Look, I don't know why because I don't remember why that score is significant. <laughs> I do, and you do too. And I, you know what? I would love no, to I see don't. it. I, I would like to see a reversal of that. I'd like to see the Broncos beat the 49ers 55 to 10. Not that it will. It's certainly not revenge. It won't change anything in history. It'd just be nice to see. That's all. And so that's what I'm predicting because I'd like to see it. 55 to 10, Denver. I got the 10. Yeah, you did. did a nice job with the 10. I can't believe you. I think you just refused to accept 55 as an answer because that really is, that's a bad number. You know, 55 to 10, that's a bad number for Bronco fans. But I don't remember it. Yeah, but you don't you don't remember it. I understand. I understand. All right. I don't remember the one from Super Bowl forty eight either. Well, that one I I really don't remember because I refuse to. I just don't even think about it. Super Bowl forty eight. That's not even a thing. That didn't happen. Not a thing. Didn't happen. Uh, all right. What's interesting? Yeah. What's interesting about this is I put the stats together for the the preview story. Yeah. That I do every Wednesday. Uh huh. What's interesting about it when you look at the 49ers, they're 15th in overall offense, tied for seventh in rushing, 21st in passing. That's to be expected when you lose your starting quarterback. But on defense, they're 12th overall, 15th in rushing, 13th in passing. Hmm. But this is where stats get kind of. Weird. Don't tell the whole story. Right. They're 29th in points. That sounds like so they a, don't give up a lot of yards. Yeah, but that sounds but like they a give field up posi- a lot of points. Yeah, that feel, sounds like a field position issue and a, an issue where the offense is giving up a lot of those points, not the defense. You know what I'm saying? And take that in content in contrast to the Broncos, who are 20, uh, 25th in overall defense 23rd in rushing 23rd in passing but 11th in points i mean so they give up a ton of yards but don't give up points that's right they keep them out of the end zone well i'd rather be that right i think i think it highlights that philosophical change that people have been talking about this season on what defenses are trying to do and their focus and that's on getting turnovers Yep. creating and getting turnovers. And I think you, what bears witness to that is the difference with the 49ers in terms of where they rank with yards, but where they rank with points, and then where the Broncos rank in terms of yards and where they rank with points. Yeah, I think that's uh, – yeah, absolutely. It's all about uh, – and I think Derek Wolf said it a couple weeks ago. It doesn't matter how many yards we give up. It only matters how many points we give up. And, th- and that is a uh, – I'm fine with that. You want to give up a bunch of yards but not let them score? That's better than not giving up many yards and letting them get in the end zone. And the Broncos struggled with that last year. We, we saw that last season. So we're getting a little bit of a role reversal there. Um, let's, do a, let's do a whip around the league here. Let's, let's see what's going on in the league. Any game that you uh, are extremely interested in watching, any teams that we need to keep our eyes on? The Thursday night game, Jaguars-Titans. Since Jacksonville did Denver a solid by beating the Colts, 
Can they do it again in Nashville? Ravens yeah. Chiefs. I, I, despite the fact that Joe Flacco has been out, the 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 Ravens just continue to win football games, and I think that's a testament to John Harbaugh and how similar to what Vance Joseph has been doing has kept his team prepared for what happens. And I, given the fact that the Ravens are one of the few teams that can go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots in the playoffs, I'm curious to see what they can do against the Chiefs and this this high-powered offense with Patrick Mahomes because they pretty much did that to the Falcons and Julio Jones. And then I, I think the not the other one is Colts at the Texans. And the Texans should win that game. I but that that would help the Broncos if the, the Texans win. And then the other one is New England in Miami. Though those are the big ones in terms of the Broncos and and the playoff push. Yeah, I mean things we we all know that things do have to fall a certain way. Even even if Denver wins out, I, they're still going to need a little bit of help. But um, you know, it looks like if if they can just keep doing what they've been doing, it looks like those things should happen, and and the Broncos really do have a shot at the playoffs. Um, just a, a couple of other games on the schedule that I'm interested in, just because I'm interested in them, in them from a football standpoint. Steelers at Raiders. That's an old school, you know, '70s matchup where I think the Steelers are going to just trounce the Raiders, which is fine, but just one of those things where you go, oh, okay, that's that reminds me of the 70s, and I didn't even live in the 70s. You got Eagles-Cowboys. That's always going to be an interesting game just because of how much the Eagles and the Cowboys hate each other. Um, and then, you know, being out in the Chicagoland area, that Sunday night game, the Rams and the Bears, that's a game that has the potential to be a, a, a playoff matchup where you could see the Rams and the Bears face off in the playoffs, probably not an NFC championship matchup, but maybe in the divisional round, something like that. And I'll be curious to see how well the Rams play against the bears defense. Uh, can the bears bounce back after having lost to the giants or are they, uh, you know, without Mitch Trubisky, are they actually sort of on a downward spiral? It's, it'll be interesting to see as well. Um, you know, there's, there's some interesting matchups, obviously, uh, the playoff, the, the games that have playoff implications are the most important and the ones that are the most important to watch. But that, this is kind of a fun week of football. Um, you know, when you look at the schedule, you go, oh, there's a lot of, lot of interesting games going on this week, things that, that I'm going to enjoy watching. Think about this. Broncos fans will be rooting for the Chiefs Ugh. and the Patriots. Yuck. Oh, I didn't like either one of those things. That gave me a really bad taste in my mouth. And I finished my water that I always have with me when I'm doing this. It's gone now. I don't have anything to fix that with. That's terrible. I can't believe you said those things out loud. You said them out loud. I did. There are two other games that I think will be very interesting. Mm-hmm. How bad is New Orleans going to beat Tampa with what just happened against the Cowboys? Ooh. And then... Minnesota going to Seattle. Seattle is one of those teams you do not want to play. And it, it, it 
what Russell Wilson is doing is reminding me of what John Elway did in the eighties. Just dragging his team with him. (laughs) He's putting this team on his shoulders and leading them to victory. And he, and I think Bobby Wagner and that defense are, are getting back to that same kind of level they had with the Legion of boom for that like three year stretch. Yeah. Seattle is a team that I think could be very, very dangerous in the NFC playoffs. And if if they if they beat the Vikings, that might knock the Vikings out oh, I, of it. Yeah, I think that knocks them out of contention. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting you say that because it feels like Seattle and Denver right now are sort of on similar trajectories, right? The the Broncos need to, you know, win out to get in. And I think I think that Seattle maybe doesn't need to win out to get in, but I, I you know, they've got to win some games and they've got to do some things. But they're both teams that they're they're not really anybody's pick to get into the, you know, the the championship game, but if you're playing the Broncos or the Char- or, or the Chiefs or or the Seahawks, my goodness. If you're playing the Broncos or the Seahawks in the playoffs, you're probably a little worried. Because those are two teams that seem to, to have defenses that can keep keep the scoring low, and the offenses have started to click and are starting to do some things. I think those are your scariest sort of wild card teams or scariest teams that are not your necessarily your favorites heading into the playoffs, just because of who they are. Exactly what you described about Russell Wilson, and then looking at those defenses, I, I think they're very similar. Which I would be happy to see a Broncos Seahawks rematch just so if we could, you know, fix that problem. Would you want score to be 43? Yes, I would. If that's if that's possible. Probably no, probably not cuz I don't know if that'll work out for the Broncos. Low scoring. I think low scoring is the key in that particular situation. So let's let's not, not too many points there. I don't want to get too crazy. So Oh, there it is. All right. Here we are heading into what? Week 14. Can you believe we're already in week 14? No. It, it's just, especially the last three weeks, it just seemed to fly by. Oh, it's been so much fun to watch. I don't, I mean, you almost don't want to let go of it. But here we are getting ready to, to move on to San Francisco. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.